Well, we've been in this message series for uh, several weeks now looking at some of the challenges we face when we get trying to walk with God. So if you've decided to establish a relationship with Jesus and you're trying to walk with Him, um, you find that there's opposition at points. So you find there's opposition internally. It's called the, the enemy of, of the flesh. It's, we just We battle. There's a part of us that does not want to cooperate with God, and so we battle internally over um, certain issues that hold us back, and so sometimes we move backwards towards things that we were into in the past, um, or we just get caught up in things that are really uh, you know, out of bounds. And so the, the battle of the flesh is a strong battle, and it's not something that we can escape from while we're living. And so we're, we're just dealing with part of an enemy called the flesh. And then also we, we battle against the world, and we've been looking for the past several weeks now at the, the uh, enemy of the devil. And so talking about Satan and how he goes to attack us as Christ followers. For those of you who've decided to follow Christ, you've probably experienced opposition from him in ways that you've not necessarily connected to um, that being that he's the source of, of some of the opposition. So we have him as an enemy. He tries to take us down. He tries to get us to... Um, Basically, you know, take steps back or even just go to our corner in a sense and not get back up in the fight. I mean, you know, between rounds the thought is, do I want to go back out there and slug it out further? Do I want to go toe-to-toe still in this battle? Um, or do I want to throw in the towel? And so we're talking about how to, to keep staying in the fight because he keeps working to shipwreck our faith. Um, he comes against us with different things, schemes and attacks. So we've been looking at this passage of Scripture. If you'd like, you can pull out this listening guide and follow along. But it, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. So our strength isn't from ourselves. We don't reach down and find internal strength to fight a spiritual battle that we're in. We find strength in the Lord. So he says, it's coming from the Lord. It's His power at work in us. That's actually the Holy Spirit who works in us. He strengthens us for the fight each and every day. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God, meaning He's given us pieces of armor to battle so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Keep going on this. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. This is a wrestling match. But it's not against opponents. not against human opponents. He says, it's against the rulers of the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's actually a demonic structure that we're battling against. There's warfare, real spiritual warfare, that Christ followers are engaged in through the course of our lives. Some of it we don't recognize as spiritual. We just think, oh, I'm just having a rough day, a rotten day. And sometimes it's just a rotten day. Sometimes that's true. But also there are times when there's more to it. There's an evil component to our days where we're battling against uh, the enemy, battling against demonic um, his demonic forces is what Paul is talking about here. The goal of all of the battling is to stand. It's to stand because a fallen soldier cannot help advance the cause, right? And so for us, to keep standing and engaging in the fight is really the challenge of our lives. To decide to make our lives count for the kingdom of God, to decide to stay in the fight and in the battle, it's a real challenge because there's all sorts of things coming at us. Again, the flesh, the world, the devil. These enemies threaten to knock us down and to and to take us out of the fight. So we've been looking at the different pieces of armor and how we specifically are engaged in this spiritual warfare. You can label those on this picture here. We've looked at 
a few of these different ones. So in the next verse it says, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So you might want to write the word truth there along where it has the belt. Because the first scheme of the enemy is his scheme of confusion. He, he aims to just muddy our minds with all sorts of additional thoughts. He, he tries to get us off track. He get, tries to get us to buy into empty philosophies. He tries to get us to put our hope in things that are not uh, rooted in truth. And the more he can cloud our minds with truth claims that are false, you know, the more he can keep us off track. And so the belt of truth, the Word of God itself, is it, the, the, what we find is the Word of God sets the standard for truth. And so as we go to, as we get confused about what's right, what's pleasing to Him, we go to the Word of God and He sets, He sets a standard for what is true and what is not. For what is righteous and what is not righteous. And so the first kind of scheme that He works against us is to move away from truth. He wants us to get us to, to, to head into falsehood, into empty, deceptive philosophies. The way we battle that is truth. The second scheme we looked at is accusation. And the word I'd write down in that line next to the, the breastplate there is the word righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. The word devil, it actually means accuser. He seeks to accuse us of things. And so he tells us things. And we, we, we deal with thoughts that come to our mind that are introduced to us. Thoughts like, you're not good enough. Or no real Christian would say that or do that. How could you do that? And I've thought things before because of actions I've taken, and that's many times that's an accusation, that's a scheme of the enemy. The way that we deal with that is to use the breastplate of righteousness. It's, it's to basically admit, you know what, I did blow it, screwed up, I was wrong. I'm not good enough, you're right. But it's his righteousness that makes me, that allows me to approach God to stand before him. And Jesus has given righteousness to those of us who've turned our hearts over to Him and, and have yielded to Him as Lord. So that's how we counter the strategy of accusation. It's through the breastplate of righteousness. Another one we looked at last week, we looked at the scheme of division. We counter the strategy of division, which division, trying to separate families, trying to separate churches, trying to separate organizations or relationships. We counter that by being prepared. The Scripture says you know, that we have our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I'd write the gospel of peace in that line near the shoes. Whenever there's division coming, whenever there's conflict or things that would seek to divide, just just an opportunity to share the gospel, to share about how God has forgiven us in Christ and how we can forgive others. Or when people harm you and you feel like you're being divided or someone's trying to rip a relationship apart, to begin to, to be the first one to forgive, to be the first one to initiate forgiveness, to start searching Hey, what, what is it that I contributed to this problem and to be the, work, the person to seek reconciliation? So those are three different pieces of armor that he says to put on. And then the next one is this. God provides a shield of faith to protect us from damaging thoughts. That's the, the fourth piece is faith. The shield of faith. Ephesians chapter 6, the very next verse, verse 16, it says, In addition to all of this, all of this is, is what? In addition to all these other pieces of armor, truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, in addition to truth, righteousness, and the gospel of peace, he says, in addition to all that, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So the enemy, he sends, 
he sends flaming arrows at us. Now, it's hard to, for us to get our minds around that. Um, here's a picture of a shield and some, some soldiers. And so these shields, Paul was writing, and he was in prison when he was writing this letter. And so he's, when he's talking about the shield of faith, very likely he's got something like this in his mind, the different pieces of armor that the Roman soldiers wore. Because he's arrested and he's looking at a Roman soldier every day. And so he's, he's using this picture to talk about the pieces of armor that God has supplied. And so he says the shield is like our faith. When we hold up our faith and we declare God is faithful, it, that blocks some of these, this certain scheme. The, the shield was about two feet by four feet, large enough to where you could hold up the shield and crouch behind it and be safe from the arrows, not only being struck by an arrow, but being lit up by an arrow. So the, the arrows, you've seen like movies to where they'll be shooting arrows and they'll dip it in something, light it on fire, and then they'll shoot it at the, at the, the armies or whatever. And it, you know, back in those days, they would dip the shields in water to be able to extinguish the flaming arrows that came in. And so Paul says, we take up the shield of faith that helps us, um, deal with these specific attacks. A flaming arrow, this scheme, and you might want to write this down. This scheme, the flaming arrow, is thoughts, emotions, and circumstances that are brought against us to get us to stop trusting God. That's really the point of the flaming arrows. Is he, he, the enemy sends thoughts, emotions, and circumstances that come against us to get us to stop trusting and following God. His goal is to convince us that it's not worth Following God. That's what Satan's trying to do. He wants us to think this is a, it's just a lie. It's, you're putting your hope in things that aren't going to deliver if you follow God. And so the enemy he seeks to just throw these flaming arrows that really would, if we buy into it, it kind of can light all sorts of other things up. It's interesting. The shield of faith, a very important piece of the armor. Because it not only protects you, but it also protects the other pieces of armor that he's given. The shoes the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, because all of that stuff gets behind the shield in a sense. The whole body can fit behind the shield. And so this piece of armor is one that I think we have to use very, very often. You have to go back to the shield of faith often. But thoughts, the flaming arrows are thoughts. Like thoughts like, hey, you're not good enough. How could God use you? Of all that you've done, how could God use you? Or things in your life are never going to change. Or you're the only one. You're the only one who's facing this. You're the only one who's dealing with this. Or you're abandoned. God has left you alone on this. You're, you're on your own. You're forsaken. These are thoughts that are coming at us, again, with the aim to get us to stop trusting and following God. To get us just to, to say, that is true. That's right. I'm not good enough. Or I am the only one. Yeah. And then well up in pride. Or whatever the thoughts are trying to, to attack, we... we we wrestle with those discouraging and damaging thoughts all the time. The challenge is we typically get damaging and discouraging thoughts when we're in a real dry spell in our life. Spiritual dry spells are dangerous, but they're normal. It's just like you have dry spells in anything. You have, you have, we, in life, we have peaks and valleys. In our spiritual life, we have high points where we're just walking with God. Things are good. We're, we're being faithful to Him. We're being faithful to others. We're being obedient to Him. We're, we're, you know, things are just humming in a sense. Just things are clicking for us spiritually. But then there's these 
dry spells where nothing's clicking. Everything feels awkward. We feel disconnected from others. We feel disconnected from God. We don't feel like we're hearing anything from, from God when we read the Bible. We, we just feel like just, we're just dry. I don't know if you've, you might be in that spot right now, but there's these ebbs and flows, these peaks and these valleys in our walk with God. And it's in the down times that I need to hang in there and I need to ask God for help. It's when, it's when we're in the, the, the valley where we can probably most uh, be damaged through these flaming arrows. When things are not going well, when we're feeling very dry, then the thought of, and God's not there, that thought comes up. God's not going to help you. Those thoughts start coming up. It starts to cripple us. I've heard many of my spiritual kind of mentors share about their seasons of, of the valleys or the dry spells. One of them, particularly as a pastor, he said that for six months straight he just had just severe depression. He had to deliver messages every week at his church, but he felt like for six months he just didn't want to get out of bed. He felt like there was this heavy, heavy weight on his chest, really preventing him from doing what he needed to do. And I don't know if you felt that before, but... He just described it as a time where it just literally, he had to will himself out of bed, will himself to do what he had to do in faith. And I was relieved to hear that that's normal because I've had peak times and I've had valleys and it's sometimes hard to reconcile the two. And if you're in a valley right now and things are not going well, you need to understand that that's, that's a normal part of a spiritual life. There's seasons of of low points where God is still working. For me, for example, we can't, we just, we're in summer. We're here in summer and coming out of spring is a really challenging thing. In springtime for, for us as a church, we've got all these different activities. We've got a lot going on. Lots of, lots of guests. We do all these different outreach things to, um, invite new people and it's just this big rush and then you get to the summer and it's like, you just, I personally like feel like I hit the wall come summer and, the dust settles. Many people leave for about a year. <laughs> or some people just walk away from God. And as a pastor, like interacting with people over a long period of time, seeing people walk away from God, it, you hit those low spots, it's those points where the flaming arrows can come in and really discourage me and get me discouraged, which impacts the church, which impacts many people, my family. And so it's in those moments when my emotions start taking me to a really bad place. And for all of you, you have your own story. You have your own things you're facing. And when you hit those low spots where you're really discouraged, the thoughts that come in, you have to counter those thoughts with the shield of faith. We all go through this. Look at what C.S. Lewis points out. He writes this. This is in a book called The Screwtape Letters that we've, I've been referring a great deal to. It's a book about two demons who are attacking a Christian. And one demon, a senior demon, is, is teaching this younger demon on how to keep attacking this Christian. And so, the older demon, Screwtape, he writes this. He says, It is during such trough periods, those, those low points, much more than during the peak periods, that it is growing into the sort of creature he wants it to be. He, the, the lower line there, is God. Because, see, their, their enemy, these two demons, their enemy is God. And so he's writing about how it's in the trough points that this person is really growing into the person that God wants them to be, because it's in the low points where we can step out in faith, hold up the shield and say, God is still here. He's not ripped me off. Yeah, it's rough. Yeah, I'm going through it. 
but He's still here. And so, if you're in a low point and you feel like, man, God is trying to get me to do something, like I have this sense that I need to be sharing my faith with someone, or I need to be serving and beginning to add some of these things that I'm learning about into my life, it's at those points where that's, that's a low point. Your faith is growing still. And that's, that's, that's a point where we can back off the line and go backwards in our faith, or we can grow tremendously, even in the low points, if we'll hold up the shield of faith and trust that God is still very much with us. He's still faithful. To hold up the shield, the way I like to think about it is this. This was taught to me by my mentor. Is I hold up the shield when I'm discouraged by saying, my God is faithful, he will not rip me off. I don't hold up a shield like this. I don't literally say that. I just, I pray that, or I think that. My God is faithful. He will not rip me off. He's not going to rip our family off if we keep trusting Him, if we keep doing what pleases Him. If you're sharing your faith with others and you're getting discouraged, like, man, why would they even want to listen? You look at your life and think, who, who am I to share? Of all the things I've done, who am I to share? Why would they want my help? Again, my God is faithful. He will not rip me off. I'm going to share what God has done in my life and I'm going to pray that God will use that to help this person. Again, just... Use the shield of faith. Here, here's some specific ways, four ways to use the battle. To use the shield in the battle. Rather than back off the line, first resist the attack. James 4.7, submit yourselves then to God. First, just God, I'm, I'm, I, I'm submitting myself to you. I'm yours. I want, to, I want to be used by you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The enemy, what he tries to do is he tries to attack our will to follow and to keep trusting. And so... What he wants us to do is, through these flaming arrows, these thoughts that come at us, these discouraging and damaging thoughts, he wants us to curl up on the floor like a blob and think, I shouldn't go on, I can't go on. He wants us to stay in bed believing all the lies that we're hearing. Yeah, God is not there. He has left me alone. It's not worth pressing on. This is never going to get better. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to just keep us buried in the wrong thoughts. But it's in those moments when we choose to follow God in faith that He is pleased. God Himself is pleased. And then the feelings follow after our step of faith. Not before, but almost always when we decide, I'm going to get up out of bed. I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to wash my hair. I don't have to worry about that all that much anymore. Money, savings. I didn't think that going bald would be something helpful for my pocketbook, but it has, so not to buy shampoo. That's weird. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I still put shampoo. Just It brings back the old days. So, But just deciding to, to, to get up and get ready and to get moving when I'm struggling, when I'm discouraged, because I felt those days where I don't want to keep doing what I've got to do for my life, whether it's leave my family or lead in the congregation, or just to obey the Lord, to get up and relate to Him, just to decide by faith, God is faithful. I trust you, God. I'm going to get up. I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. Then the feelings come. Oftentimes the feelings come by God just speaking to me through the Bible. I'll be reading something. I think, wow, that's exactly what I'm dealing with, what I needed to hear. Or I'll just respond in faith and I'll talk to someone. And, and I'll find out God is really working there in their life and it encourages me. The feelings almost always come after the step of faith. That's a very important thing to remember. When you're at the low points, the feelings come after the step. It's just like going to church. You decide, I'm going to go to church today. 
But then you struggle to get out of bed and you're like, oh, it's not worth it. I just got too much on my... The decision to just get up out of bed and to go. And then you're there and you're grateful that you're there. Or you're in a group and you start thinking, I'm going to join a group. I'm going to open up my life to others and, and begin to let other people in on who I really am. And I take that step and it's a scary step. And the feelings aren't there, but then you take the step and then the feelings come later again. Back to screw tape Letters, this senior demon, he says this. Now, you have to think in terms of their enemy is God. So when they're writing about the enemy, their enemy is God. Our cause, these two demons, says, our cause is never more in danger than when a human, or a Christian in a sense, no longer desiring but still intending to do our enemy, that's God, to do God's will, When this Christian looks around upon a universe from which every trace of God seems to have vanished and asks why he has been forsaken and yet he still obeys. See, that's a dangerous thing for the demonic realm when they see Christians who are willing to press on in their faith when you can't see God, you feel abandoned, you're at a low spot, but you still obey. That's a very dangerous thing for the the demonic. You can expect attack when you're in those spots because they don't want to see us advancing. When we're under attack, we need to turn to God and say, God, show me what's right before you. I know that you're faithful. I know you won't rip me off. That's the first thing. Second thing, live in the present. Live in the present. This is a very practical way of applying the shield of faith. When you're discouraged, choose to focus on today rather than to be ruined for a longing for the past when it was better or a dream for the future. Because the future and the past distracts us from enjoying what God wants us to do right now, today. We've all got stuff in the past that we ache over, that we, or that we, we long to go back to. We, we have joy over. But that's the past. This is today. Or, or, you know, there's all sorts of inspiring video clips. I tried to reenact some of them and didn't go well for service. So I'll just spare you the reenactments. But there's lots of, you know, halftime, like, speeches from coaches who are trying to cheer on their guys to just say, right here, right now, this is going to define your future. What you do right now. And this the the focus of, we have to deal with the present. It's a really important part of life. Pastor Rick Warren, he says this. He said, we tend to crucify today between two thieves. Yesterday and tomorrow. We need to focus on the present, not the past. Ecclesiastes 7.10 The past is one of those things that can rob us of the present. Look what the writer of Ecclesiastes says. Do not say this is something to avoid. Why were the old days better than these? I've said that. I've thought that. Why were the old days better? He says, for it's not wise to ask such questions. That's just a question you should not ask. Because there's a continual flow in the stages of our lives. God intends that we enjoy each stage and find blessing in each stage and purpose in each stage that we're in. We can stop moving in the present and we can just kind of camp out at a given stage of our life. And people do this. Some people are stuck in high school. That's all there is. And and every time we get with certain friends, that's where we go. We go back to high school. And we long for the past and but the truth is, life doesn't work that way. All it does to, to live in the past is it takes us backwards in our spiritual growth. And so, they, I remember this, uh, I guess it was, uh, 
it was in the fall. It was just before Christmas time. I was really frustrated with some things. And it's because I was wallowing in the past. My, I hit a point of real busyness, and I was just frustrated about it. I didn't sign up to be this busy. I didn't, I didn't want to do this like this. And I, I was just griping about a lot of different things. And, and the thought comes up of, man, I wish I could just go back to a year ago. So much easier a year ago or two years ago. And, and it's easy for me to get stuck in the past. It's easy for you to do the same. It's easy for you to get stuck in college, in high school, in that one small group that was just great, or that mission trip you went on, or, or maybe the, the moment you came to faith in Christ. And just, and just to hang on to that, that's the only story you have when you share about your faith. It's 18 years ago, I did this. And, and every story is 18 years ago, I did this. And, but there's nothing beyond the 18 years. of, And so God wants us to move forward. What we, to do, what we are to do is thank God for His goodness in the past, for the things that were good. Thank Him for it. But then put up the shield of faith and say, Lord, I know if I'll trust You today, You will not hang me out to dry today. Also live in the present, not the future. The future can also rob us of the present if we just dream about it. So James writes this. Now, you, now listen, he says, You who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. So when we talk about our future, I've got this great plan. Here's what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to do this, 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 and this. Have you done that before? I know I have. I actually had a guy get in my face and yell at me over this, <laughs> with this verse. He said, stop it. Stop it. He really was focusing me on today. Focus on today. Verse 14, why, you don't even know what, what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? James says, you're a mist that appears for a little while, and then it's, it's gone, it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live, we will do this or that. It's easy to make plans, it's easy to look ahead to the future and just despise today because it's not what we thought it would be and what we want it to be. Anytime, and here's some dangerous lines of thoughts for me. When I start thinking, I can't wait until, that's a dangerous thought. And I can't wait until, I can't wait until... This year is over. I can't wait till the summer is here. I can't wait until the school year is over and the kids are done with school. And we can. I can't wait until. Or have you have you ever thought this? <clears throat> as soon as I get this paid off, I'm gonna. Man, as soon as I pay off that balance, then, or as soon as I get that raise or whatever it is, we we have all these things in the in the in the future that we're hanging on to. We have to be careful because the future is not promised to us. It's not promised. This day is all I've really got. So Scripture says, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's focusing here, focusing now. Trust Him today. The third thing is, do what you can. Again, right now. Not so much the idea of today, but the idea here is take the next step. Whatever the next step is that you sense God wants you to do, be diligent to take it. Look at what Hebrews 6.11 says. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end, in order to make your hope sure. Many times, we know what our next step is in our walk with God. It's very clear. God's been saying something to us through church or through our time reading the Bible with Him or prayer. We'll be driving down the street and God makes it really clear what our next step is in our faith. Someone He wants us to talk to. Someone He wants us to share with. You know, a way that He wants us to serve Him. Something He wants us to give towards. There's all these things that God makes very clear a habit He wants us to form. 
And it's, it's this next step, but for us it feels like a canyon. And so we just think, I'm not going to cross that canyon. And, and much of our discouragement comes from saying no to God when He's made it very, very clear what He wants that next step to look like. And so if there's something God has said, hey, this is what is right for you to do right now, and you keep saying no, that's where a tremendous amount of discouragement and the thoughts kind of tend to multiply from there. It's just deciding, I'm not going to take that step. Maybe it's confessing something. Maybe it's reconciling with someone. But there's a step that God wants you to take. The enemy, what he does is he works to twist us up in our minds so that we will not take the step to accomplish what God wants. And again, it's an opportunity to put up the shield. You know, if this is what God is saying, I can't deny that that's what he wants. I'm going to take this step and I'm going to trust that God will be there with me to see me through. He'll, he'll provide the strength. He'll provide the resources. He'll provide the energy if I'll take that step. Finally, last one is dig into the Bible to be encouraged. This is one that we 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 say often, and we'll, we're going to keep saying it often because it's so critical. This is so critical for our growth. If you're new to following the Lord Jesus, then you have to dig into the Bible for yourself. You have to be a person that feeds yourself. It's just like as a child. At one point, you know, the goal of your parents in feeding you was to get you to learn how to hold the fork and then put food in your own mouth. You know. You know, my mama doesn't show up at my, you know, house three days, three times a day. Time to eat, Josh. Thanks, mom. <laughs> I have to eat. I have to feed myself. Spiritually, we have to feed ourselves. Sometimes we take that same thing and we think we show up at church on Sundays. All right, I'm ready to eat, and that's all we've eaten all week, and that's all we've eaten all month or year. There's no initiative on our own part. We have to dig into the Bible for ourselves. If we fail to do that, man, we get beat up by these damaging thoughts that come our way because the Scripture is intended to encourage us. Look what the writer of Romans, Paul writes to the church, he says, For everything that was written in the past, all these stories written in the past, were written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of the Scriptures, we can find hope. We read these stories and we say, Wow, I'm going through the same thing and He made it and God used Him to do that. Wow, that gives me hope. These are real people that God used. It's critical to get into the Bible for ourselves. There's nothing like it. You, you get encouragement to do what's right before God and it helps us put the shield of faith up again. And just by getting into the Scripture. A few months back I was struggling with making a transition in parenting that I, I realized I needed to make. And I was getting discouraged about feeling behind on some things. I was seeing some things that I, I thought, I really need to do something about this. But then I started getting discouraged about what difference is it going to make? And I have three kids. What difference is it going to make? This world is trying to capture our kids. And what difference is it going to make what I do as a parent? You know, they're going to they're see things in the media. They're going to they're have friends that, you know, that do damage to their thinking. Because you know, I know I did. I know that I was impacted by my friends and by media and by things I was being taught in other places. And so the thought of what difference is it going to make if you're, if you're trying to parent in a way that pleases God? It's not worth trying. Or it's too late. That's the thought that came up. It's too late. I hope it's not too late. And so those kinds of thoughts, when they come in, they can light a fire in a bad way if we give up. We just think, well, I'll just, I got, you know, I'll just try to do better with my other kids and no, the, the truth of the matter is we've got to keep digging into the Bible and be encouraged. Two ways the Lord encouraged me 
two, a couple months ago, I was reading through the book of Deuteronomy, and I was thinking about this whole area, and, and the Lord spoke to me through this, these verses, Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 7. It says, These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. You are to impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. That encouraged me. This is worth it. This is what I need to be doing is talking with my kids about what pleases God. And I can't give up. You know, I'm halfway done with one of my kids. Lord willing. There There is no tomorrow. I may be... My kids may not have many years. But, you know... Lord willing, if my kids you know, grow up to be adults, I'm halfway done with one of them, and I've only got a few more years than the other ones. And so, and I have to impress these things, these commands upon my kids and understand it has to be a part of our daily lives. But that encouraged me to press on. gave me some framework and some boundaries of, okay, these are things I need to do. But then, not long after that, I came to the book of 1 Samuel, and I was reading in 1 Samuel, and was reminded about how, why it's important to, parent in a way that pleases God. Because as I read about a priest named Eli and reminded of his story, he was a priest with two sons and his sons did whatever they wanted. They did evil things, wicked things. And their father, the priest, failed to restrain them from that. He failed to stop them from that. He failed to parent them is what he failed to do. He just let them grow up. And they ended up doing evil, wicked things. Eventually it cost them their lives. Their, their rebellion eventually, God took them out. And when their father learned the news that they had been killed, he, he basically fell over and died. And the consequences, that's not just the scripture. This serves as a real warning, but it also serves as an encouragement to keep going forward. It's important to parent our kids. And you open the, the newspaper, you, you read the news, you watch the news, that's just normal. Kids, that, that they live short lives. And this is so important. But as I dig into the Bible, God speaks to me and encourages me to press on. To not give in to the damaging and lies, the thoughts of the enemy, but to keep pressing forward. What is it for you right now? As the band comes up, I'd like you to consider, what is it that God is saying to you right now that He wants you to focus in on? Maybe you're discouraged over some issue and you're just you're frozen over something. Maybe in the past, or maybe it's something that is a step you need to take. I'd encourage you to get to ask the Lord to show you what He wants you to do to respond to Him. I'm always amazed. You know, we, we share these next steps. So here's three of them that we suggest. Um, memorize James 4 7. It's one way to apply this morning's message. Or second, identify a thought to counter with the shield of faith and do so. Remember, the shield of faith is just declaring, My God is faithful. He's not going to rip me off. He's faithful. He's reliable. He's trustworthy. I can count on Him. Declare that when you're being discouraged. But identify, what's the thought that you think needs to be countered in your life? Maybe there's a specific thing that you feel like you're just being beaten down with. Identify what that is so that you know what you're responding to. And then third, encourage someone to press on today. so important to understand that a church is to, to, is to see itself like a family. There's moments and seasons when we are in a dry spell and it really helps us to have a friend come alongside us and just say, I appreciate you or I'm praying for you or just to check in on us and see how how we're doing. And so maybe God would bring someone to your mind that he'd want you to do that with today. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.